Free Association. Music there from BC 35. That was the track from J.G. Thurwell and Dana Schechter. Martin BC, I think, is on the line. Are you there? Yes, I'm here, Brian. The experiment worked. (laughs) Okay, loud and clear. Good. Like, I like it. You want to talk about this record and how this this whole thing came to be? This this was a live record at your at your studio, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting. It's good that you played the Thurwell and and uh, Dana Schechter track because um, that was that was the one song on the on the record where they did some overdubbing in front of the audience as part of the quote show. Um, because it, it's not truly like, it, yes, it was done in front of an audience. You'll notice that some of the songs don't have applause at the front of them. Some do. Um, it was done in front of a live audience. But the idea wasn't really just, just to do a live show and record it. it. Since it was the 35 years of the recording studio and we were going to create this album that people were going to, were going to contribute to, that basically the audience was invited to, to be there for basically what we, what we call the basic tracking um, so yes, it was a live recording, but not real, but it was like a lot. Yeah. Live recording. It was really a, re- a recording in front of a live audience, more, more accurate. And right. the farewell track, it was a little more explicitly that way. It's funny because that was a little unscripted. I, I guess I thought everyone would just kind of perform and farewell was, well, let's do some overdubs. And then I thought that was odd. And I was like, well, sure. Well, whatever, whatever Jim wants to do. And actually, there was a, that was a highlight of the weekend. This was done, by the way, over the course of an entire weekend, um, long days. Interesting. And, so, um, so you did the, you did the show, and then he stuck around and did overdubs after that. Well, right, right away. Like oh, right recorded, away. Re- recorded it, and then did overdubs with the audience there. With the audience right there. <laughs> I, see. I, Interesting. I, I, I thought people would be bored, right? But it was the opposite. It was a highlight. People were very excited and in, interested and silent and watching, you know, like 40 people, 35, 40 people, right. you know, pack, packed for my recording studio and um, and very interested. And also he's got such a reputation as a, as, as a studio wizard that to right. watch him and Dana, like, discuss even what they were going to do. And some of it was... Uh, spontaneous and also direct Laura Ortman who was playing violin on it. And then the whole um, the whole recording process they get a they get a view into that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's funny because uh, it, it, that's essentially what the whole album really is. It's just on the Thurwell thing, which is really kind of more obvious. Also, what what was kind of fun is that some someone one of one of the three either Laura, Jim, or or Dana. Uh, just suddenly realized, why don't we get the audience to like do a little choir thing or hold some notes out or something, and then we can record that and then like apply nice, it later. Great, great. So that was yeah. an overdub, and people were very excited about that. I even passed her quickly passed on a piece of paper, so I was like credits, credits, so everyone could like write their <laughs> name down. So like a list of like thirty five people's names. Wow, that's great! I just saw him at a show at the Kronos show at Kronos Quartet. I saw him at that show at Joe's Pub. It's so funny that we're talking about about him. He's really like you. I see him at a lot of shows in New York when when I'm in New York. But uh, we, you know, we should talk about this this studio because I recorded there. Maybe this was maybe over ten years ago, and it's such a striking place. I mean, when I was there, and maybe things are different now, but we recorded downstairs in this kind of bunker, huge concrete bunker, and you were upstairs recording. Is that is that still the the vibe of that place, and this place has been around for a long time, right? It's in Gowanus, the Gowanus area, and there's some history to the building too, right? 
Yeah, and the, the building was uh, an armament factory in the Civil War, so it goes, and actually was built in the 1840s, which is about as old as you can get for Brooklyn, generally. And, um, the, yeah, the, 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 the space has become more and more striking. I mean, maybe there's some age that is settling in, but also it's an increasingly rare kind of space. Um, just to have like you know big arches and big big t- like uh, the ceiling is what like forty feet or in spots something it's like 40 that feet right, or, right yeah twenty twenty feet easily in other spots and um, huge and, sound and, huge and, sound yeah like yeah. heavy brick and stone and stuff so people's eyes pop out it used to be much a much more common sight it's just part of it disappearing right yeah right. it was like a New York thing I mean I mean for a while it seemed like people would would talk about your place is like the best drum room in New York City, you know, because it was like, in, if you wanted that kind of drum, huge drum, you know, huge drum sound, you know, that that was the thing for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard that a, a few times. I always thought it was an odd thing, but, but I, <laughs> somehow to say it was the best drum room, it was just kind of odd because I didn't think it was necessarily just perfect for drums. I think it was good for other things. Yeah, we're you talking know. about the room, but a lot, I mean, let's, let's be, let's be honest, let's be clear. A lot of this is you. I mean, you know, it's, it's like when people used to joke around about people coming in and saying, man, tape, tape sounds so great. It's like, why are you, why are you complimenting the tape? You should be complimenting the engineer. He's the brains behind all this stuff, right? It's not right. the room. It's not the tape. It's the engineer. It's, it's so you're, you're the kind of the, the, the thread throughout this whole stuff uh, all of these all these people and i think this 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 whole record is a real testament to to not only your staying power but also just um your 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 the true collaborative sense of of of, of what you do you know you're such a great collaborator and and the next track we're playing is a huge list of people um dan kaufman from barbez brian viglione from um from dresden dolls jason lafarge who who i think was working with you right in the same room right for a while you guys were Switching off and on. Yeah, well, the, well, at, at one point I just had to um, uh, sort of uh, partner with someone, and we we share the space and you know split the rent that sort of thing. Right. So, so we have separate sort of operations, but we, uh, we we're partners and and also musical collaborators. And of course, since he's part of the story, then you know he's on the record. Um, but but yeah, you're, coming back to what you said about like people make assumptions about why things sound a certain way and <laughs> right. and it's really funny it's it's uh, these are all tools you know but but really the the thing with the room a sort of love affair sort of happens with it because it's kind of it's yes it's quote just a tool but it's got a vibe and it's something you can believe in and it's there's definitely an art to it and um and an environment that that, that and and increasingly so like like as the as this the glass the, the glass developments kind of close in on the space and the <laughs> and the Trump the Trump property Kushner property across the street that's going to be going oh, up. Oh God, the Whole and, Foods, and of course, and all that. Yes, yeah, right. so all that. Yeah. Suddenly, this yeah. has become like a bit of a sanctuary. So, context is is is, is everything. Right, and that whole that whole building is. There's a lot of artistic things happening. Even more since I was there, there's more things that have opened up in that building. The can there's more things yeah, that have opened up. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot of what I call um, um, artists and Prada. You know, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little Tribeca. It, it, you know, it's it's this sort of one percent of the arts a bit. It's uh, <laughs> it's 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 art as a luxury item uh, a little I see. bit. Right, right. So it's it's not quite the vibe, but at least I got them appreciated. Who else is who else is playing on this track? This is a, there's a lot of people. You're playing on it too, right? Yeah, I'm playing. I mean, all the songs are very collaborative. I'm glad you mentioned that part of this 
because it, yeah, the whole thing was a, a collaborative effort, really. And um, yeah, you might have missed Walfish, Paul okay. Walfish, who cool. also plays in Swans. Oh yeah, and, right, right. Yeah, and uh, this guy Neil Exall, who plays in the Mercury Men, is a band from uh, from Toronto, who I've worked with, and uh, he came all the way to Toronto just to play on that piece. Wow, that's great. Let's hear this. What's the name of the the animals speak? Is that it? The animals speak truth, which Neil Exall uh, he he named it, and uh, you know this was kind of worked on, which is kind of part of this. Like this is edited by me, and there's selective. I was selective about parts, so it's improvisation, but it's not pure improvisation, and that's kind of part of it. It's like let's make a record, and it's not just capturing a live performance, which it rarely really is in my place. Right, that's life. true. Yeah. Great. Martin BC is here. Stick around. You're listening to 90.3 Boston College.
Association. Music there from Ajda, the Turkish Queen, and Brian Viglione, Paul Walfish, Buckingham, Take This Ride. We're playing music from the record BC 35. So let's see, what else did we play? We played a Jim Thurwell track uh, with special guest Laura Ortman and the BC Radiophonic, and also we played The Animals Speak with Dan Kaufman, Brian Viglione, Jason Lafarge, and Martin BC. Animals Speak Truth. And we're going to play another track here with New Old Skull, Live Skull. And the name of the piece is Details of the Madness, right here on WZBC 90.3. We question everything. Practice testing our strength. Unwaved with a spear. Oh, it's gonna be 
naked in a bar and I was walking home and uh, I heard this car creeping up behind me. I didn't think nothing of it. I just about to go into my apartment and the cops yelled freeze. So I turned around and I punched him. association music there from x cop off the new bc 35 record i think martin is here you want to talk i i am here. okay now you're coming through loud and clear so that's phil phil from swans what an incredible drummer yeah that guy is a monster man yeah yeah amazing who else played on that jack nats jim coleman yeah, that's the the basic core of Cop Shoot Cop minus Todd, who's now in Firewater. Oh yeah, and, right. Yeah, and um, um, the the funny thing about Cop Shoot Cop is that they were a band of a sort of post punk ilk without guitars, and actually with two basses. So that really like set them apart. Um, and uh, it was also at a time when it was kind of cool still, and kind of cool not just still cool to have like someone doing samples and samplers and stuff like that. Um, way before the era where that was kind of overdone and, um, and they, they would have a a low bass and a high bass. That's right. That's right. And that's, and that's what we have here. Didn't they have some harmonica too? They had at one point. Yeah. But the the little odd story about cop sheet cop is I, I realized how much they, they in some ways were like proto, Whatever that ilk was of um, of like um, Gogo Bordello or whatever, the sort <laughs> oh, of Eastern Eastern European inf- infused thing, right, you know. Right. For, for instance, Cop Shoot Cop did a thing with like a marching band, 
it's called ten dollar bill. Interesting. And wow. uh, yeah, with like horns, they have like a trombone player, and actually you, you can you can see with fire water that Todd drifted that way. Right, this exactly. Was, this was yeah. years yeah. before. Way even, before, yeah. Before right. I even thought about marching bands being cool. At least 10 years before that whole thing. Right? <laughs> and it's funny, I didn't even realize it until looking back 10 years after the march. So like 20 years, I'm like, oh my God, we, we, we basically were doing this like a decade. Before. Yeah, right, it was right. Like, it was right. like a hot thing. Yeah, know? yeah. And New Old School before that, um, X-Live School, Details of the Madness. And I know Talia, I saw the, you guys had a show recently in, in Greenpoint um, on this on this record. And uh, um, New Old School played with Talia. I saw Talia singing on that. It was just fantastic. It, we were just talking off the air about how amazing it sounded. Yeah, and that was a total surprise that Talia just announced. or It was announced like, oh, Talia's going to join us. And, um, yeah, it was fantastic. You know, the, the real vibe of the audience I could feel was almost like it was a story that had been unfinished. You mm, know, like, right. I think that was a, that was a tough era, of, you know, in New York, there's a lot of substance abuse and stuff and a lot of stuff melted down. There was like a lot of dysfunction and there was something great and musically powerful that was happening. And it was sort of in a way stolen from us in a way. I mean, everything, everything fades, I guess. Right, and definitely, right. definitely things in rock, in rock domain there's something that's survival the sur- that everyone's you know that they're survived and, and we're still playing and, and back you know back together for that show is something really inspiring yeah it was yeah. like an unfinished story that was finally and then oh my god we're back these familiar sounds back and better yeah I thought it sounded great <laughs> I, I hope they record again it was just fantastic oh yeah definitely. so Martin BC is here and we should talk about this show tomorrow night so um, can you give us the details that's in JP right Deep Thoughts is that the place yeah Deep yeah. Thoughts the, the record mm-hmm. store and um, I'm so happy to be playing in a record store you know as a small business that I think is, is great to support and to value and, and that we all need and that it provides community so this is an example of that and uh I'm calling the BC 35 record release show because some, um, um, I mean, everyone is connected to the 35 years of the, of the recording studio in some way. Talia, even though Talia herself doesn't appear on the BC 35 record, as, as you just said, the Live Skull reunion does appear, and she was an important member of, of Live Skull, and then so she's playing at the show with her, um, I guess, trio called uh, TK. And uh, also Tidal Channel, which is uh, a band that's on the BC35 record. They'll be the opener. And then Ajda, the Turkish Queen, who you, you, you played a few minutes ago, uh, she's also on the bill. And um, it's interesting is it's kind of a nice little uh, uh, BC Studio Touches Boston kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, right. I was going to talk to you about that because we, you know, we did touch on that earlier. Is There's kind of a Boston thread through a lot of your records. I mean, it's interesting because I found out about you through Brian Viglione, who played in the Dresden Dolls at that time. And then I think around the time I recorded with you, Ajda also recorded with you. And of course, Talia's recorded with you um, long back with Live Skull. So there is kind of a Boston connection that you have, but I wouldn't, it's it's interesting, like, why why do you think that is with Boston? I don't see a lot of, like, Philly people that you've yeah. recorded with, and that's closer. So... What's what's that? Well, about? I'm 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 glad you um you it's kind of interesting you should mention Philly because I feel like Philadelphia is a town I don't really somehow connect with. It's, mm, it's not a, it's not a good town for me in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not I don't usually get excited about. I mean, it hasn't even happened like a Philadelphia band. Where sometimes I get excited just sometimes 
where a band is from recording right. with them. Like I love Baltimore and I love Boston. These are places where it's like it's just the fact that someone comes from that community kind of perks my ear. I up. think that's why I think that it was a large part of why you ended up recording us because the fact that we were part of a scene here. It wasn't you didn't know me at all, but the fact that we were part of a scene. It's like you were saying the community was a big thing and has it been a big thing with you. You know. Yeah, so. I've, I've always I'm always been, just generally I'm I'm a I'm attracted to collectivism and co- collectives and scenes and scenes are sort of complex collectives that sort of work sort of mm-hmm. um, almost non-consensually, but they seem to sort of just work. People do things, you know, it's not, it's not really organized. It's a, a bit of a chaos. But right. I'm always attracted to that. But one of the reasons I was attracted to like Zulu nation stuff, you know, with Africa Bambada back in the Bronx. And one of the reasons I was even with material with Bill Laswell, he was like, when I met, met Bill Laswell in 1978, he was like, I want to start a collective and we all do different things and help each other. And I was like, yes, that's, I mean, you know, I was like an orphan, orphaned child, actually, at that point when I was a teenager. So that was like, absolutely, it's like family. He took you under, he took you under his wing, right? In a lot of ways. Right, right. And sort of formed the studio. This was back, what year was this one when BC, I guess 35 years ago was what? Well, well, yeah, well, 35 years ago, also, 35 years ago was the recording of, 35, the 35 year anniversary was the recording of the record, oh, I see. and it's taken two it's taken two years to get it to this point <laughs> right. where you and I are speaking that was 37, about it. Right? And then, you know, so we're really pushing 37, but I've been not getting too picky about that. Well, I, I have a funny um, story about about recording at your place. I remember this really vividly. We were recording Dreamland there with my band Beat Circus, and there was a it was me and Brig and Krause down in the um, downstairs. You were recording upstairs. Yeah, and I that, still do. And that's yeah. an interesting thing. Like we can't see you. That's like very unique, unique thing, right? So, so we're 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 performing, and it's raining, and suddenly, so we're doing these these overdubs, and all of a sudden, Brigan stops, and he says, "We have to stop. We have to stop. I can't look at this anymore." And he was, <laughs> he was looking in the corner, the cor- you know, the the corner of the room by the door, by the out that goes outside. It was there was a leak. And the rain had it was was leaking da- through the roof down onto these these two inch tapes, and he says, "I got to go rescue these. Ta- I can't deal with this thing because I guess the whole time we were playing, he was watching these <laughs> these tapes get rained on, and and so he went over there. I said, "Fine." He stopped, and I think you walked down to see what's the, what is going on down here, and he he um he found the tape and it's it's this record John Zorn Spy versus Spy and I'll never forget you came down and said oh yeah he doesn't he doesn't care about those he won't come to Brooklyn to pick these up well it was a point I mean that was it's a big there's a big <laughs> load of tapes in in a corner down there <laughs> right exactly that's what it was it's it, it's heavy that's got to be like yeah pounds of right, tape right and um, honestly i mean it's not to get prickish pricklish about it but i asked zorn and say come and get them and what am I going to do? It's like 300 pounds of tape. And it's, he doesn't, also here's the thing. So those are all copies. It's very strange. Oh, really? They're, they're, they're copies back, back when it didn't seem so weird to completely copy a record and then come to a recording studio with a copy. A copy? Um, that was that two-inch tape was a copy? Yeah, that was okay, Spy versus Spy. You know, the record uh, Spy Yeah, yeah, that's spy. what I'm going to play right now. Yeah, I got, I got it cute. You got it, you got me yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, so that was Spy versus Spy. It was recorded on like 20 or 30 reels of tape, bizarrely. Wow.
Free Association. Music there from John Zorn, Spy vs. Spy. Uh, let's see. I want to play another track uh, that Martin worked on, Sonic Youth, Shadow of a Doubt, from the album Evil. And Martin Beastie's playing tomorrow night, Deep Thoughts, Jamaica Plain. Go see him. This is Sonic Youth, Shadow of a Doubt. Sonic Youth, Shadow of a Doubt there from the record Evil. I think Martin's online. Yes, I am. Okay, great. 
do you remember recording that? I, I just heard an interview with Brandon on Mike Watt's show, and he mentioned this record, and he said that he played bass on this. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Mike played on... Um, he, yeah, he played on a lot of Sonic Youth stuff at the time. A lot meaning a, a good handful. So it's definitely not like... It's not the whole record. I can't quite remember... Of I can't quite remember the the recording like I can't quite remember the basic tracking of like that song in particular. So I can't really say if Mike Watt played bass on that song. But there are definitely some songs. Um, and there was a bit, bit of an overlap because we did Bad Moon Rising, Sonic Youth, right? And then there's like some singles and we played on the singles. Um, and it, like the, the the Madonna thing, the the Sonic Youth Madonna mashup that they did mm-hmm. steal, right. stealing a Madonna song and playing over it that was sort of backed by another song that was on Mike's Watt like label in like New Alliance which okay. was part of SSD so he was he was around so I don't remember specifically on Shadow of a Doubt what I really remember about all that stuff is the mixing that was in the intense creative part that happened with Sonic Youth was that was that um, did they get in a lot of arguments is that what it was like combative or or um, no, I mean it was a little combative, and I, I think it was it was a, a lot of a lot of people that they gave each other room, and some people really laid out, like um, like Bob Burt kind of stayed out of it, and even Kim Gordon kind of let it let it go, and and Lee Ronaldo really was very proactive, let's just say, and then Thurston. So we we kind of did take over. I tried to keep it very collaborative. I was like insisting that we 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 speak and get like right. Kim Kim's feet. Kim's feedback. People were kind of talking over her, to be honest. But interesting. So that was yeah. '80s. And who were they? Were they? Were they playing? Who was? What was the scene like? That were they playing with Swans at all during that period? Or yeah, they played. They played with Swans. Uh-huh. They played. Played with Rat at Rat R. That was. That was like the hard rock band that anyone with taste would actually like somehow, huh. um, you know. And I, I think it's probably because they would have like weird lyrics. I think it's a person. Right. I think the lyrics were really weird, and so that that was like the, the guilty pleasure. They were kind of like straight ahead hard rock, but but um, what was know, the band were, called? Um, Radat Radar. Oh, and it was sort of like a, a mat, the words kind of spell out art art art. And um, <laughs> and they would like play at Danceteria. They were all like on Glenn Branca's label. So all these people, I mean, they, they definitely crossed over and, and played with each other. Um, everything was as much as it was very united in a weird kind of way and happened in the same space. There was a lot of antagonism between the scenes. Like uh, people, Sonic Youth specifically did not want to be seen as avant garde. Right. Um, I remember it, you t- saying that they were like, we don't like this, we don't like that, we don't like, they were very adamant about saying what they didn't like and were, they weren't part of this and they weren't part of that. Yeah, very, right. very strongly. And you know what? In some ways, maybe maybe that's a thing to really define yourself and the, the big picture of what you do artistically. Maybe that's a thing. And you can tell, by, by the way, I'm even putting that, I'm in the middle. I'm like in between the people that just care about the music only and the nuts and bolts and then the big picture person that maybe is not the greatest player, for instance, in the band that really cares about like the big picture and the lyrics and what it means. You know, like like I recognize both poles, and I'm and maybe it's even part of my my job. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, I I love that because that's that's something that you and I talk about a lot, which I don't really talk. No, nobody wants to talk about it, you know. Sometimes, but right. but it's like it's I mean, an interesting aspect of the whole of the whole thing, right? Right, but we'll also be especially in the mixing. It's like okay, well, 
because it just, like we, what I always say is we only have two speakers, right? We can't shove every idea into this. Right. You know, so some things got to have like a little bit more of a, a focus, right? So is it really about experimentalism or is it about, I know there's, I know there's a song in there. So should we be pulling that out, highlighting that? What, um, and also different genres have different like standards and aesthetics, even in drum sound and stuff. So you can steer things a little. And it's unfortunately, that's part of the language. You right, know? Right. Even, I, so, even, right. Steve, even someone like Mark Rabot talks about that like the language of what you're saying with like the sounds aside from the music music. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's definitely true. You know, you could say, I definitely don't like that. You know, that sounds like this and I don't want it to sound like that. Yeah. The the big, as I say, the big picture informs the little picture. It's almost like big picture first. Right. right? So if I see this, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so not, not goth. And if it says goth, I won't go there. I won't like deep. I won't. I won't listen <laughs> right. and I, and delve and go. Well, actually, you know, there's some kind of cool stuff in there. Like that. That's that kind of won't happen. There's a barrier goes up. So right, right. I, I'm cognizant of of that stuff. That's cool. Well, I want to I want to play this this uh, this. I love this Swans track that you recorded, the Goddamn the Sun, 1989. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll play that and then we'll we'll get to some newer stuff after the break. We're with uh, Martin BC's playing tomorrow night playing tracks from BC 35, 35 years of BC studio and going through some of his old his old records here. Stay tuned, WZBC 90.3. <laughs> Rolled up in your pocket 
Association music there from Swans, Goddamn the Sun, 1989, recorded by Martin B.C., who is here with us. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks for coming on. Of course. I want to play this. This is a recent track that you did, this Wreckmeister Harmonies. This is, just came out recently, right? Can you talk about this? This sounds yeah, fantastic. On, um, it's it's uh, on um, Thrill Jockey in Chicago. It's interesting. It's been a while since I've recorded more than one record of a specific label, like in the same year. So I did White Hills. That's also Thrill Jockey. Um, oh my God, I'm recording another Thrill Jockey record as we speak now called uh, Upper Wilds. And we're actually recording it. So that's a lot. I guess I'm doing a lot of Thrill Jockey. And that's um, that's a Chicago-based label. Right. Um, yeah, Wreckmeister Harmonies. It's funny, they get really lumped in the metal thing. It's really odd. It's like, I, I guess... It doesn't metal, sound that, that way to me. Yeah, it's not metal at all. But, but they... But metal people like it or something or pay, pay attention to it. Metal is getting cooler, I guess, or expanding or not just being in, not sticking to its cliches. And Thrill Jockey so, does a lot of that too. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's, there's something there. So it's, it's basically a duo. And um, um, they, they were li- living kind of all, almost off the grid in like Oregon for like a year and a half. It's kind of interesting. And uh, they, they, got, they moved to New York and then they got Thor Harris, who also plays in Swans and now in Shushu. And uh, he has this thing called, I guess, Thor and Friends or something. Right, right. And, yeah. and uh, he came up from Austin to play in this, so he came, came and played in the big cavernous BC studio awesome. um, near the polluted canal. So that's so he that's played, awesome. and that's all on there. But but you know, Thor was on that um, that first Swans record too, which was recorded by Jason in that space. Right? It's not the first time he's been down there, right? Oh no, he's been here a bunch of times. A bunch of times. The, the, right. it, it, it's it's funny you mean by the first Swans record, twenty ten. The, 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 yeah. the comeback. The, yeah, comeback. the comeback. The comeback. Yeah, right. The right. comeback, which I was so happy to not be asked to do, <laughs> but I was very happy just because it's too in, it's very, intense, not, right? Yeah. It's just too intense for 
just yeah, to do. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like I've done it. I, I've graduated. From right, class. right. Yeah. And uh, but sense. I was very happy to host it in the space, and I was very happy to have it in the space. And Thor and all those people came, and they shook the building. Oh, for I'm sure, sure they did. Yeah. Well, let's let's play this track. I'm playing "Descent into Blindness" Wreckmeister Harmony. It's on Thrill Tracky. The the record's called "The Alone Rush." Martin BC is here. He's playing tomorrow night. Thanks again for uh, being on the show. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, looking forward to it. This is Free Association. You're listening to WZBC ninety point three, Boston College. Please leave the light on. 